Hi, and welcome to episode one of Cryptic Chronicles. I'm Tim Hacker, and I'll be your host. Today on the show, we have the first corporation to microchip its employees, the vanished English colony from the 1500s, and the pineal gland. What does it do? Why do we need it? And why are most people unaware of its existence in the first place? Let's get into it. So recently, a Wisconsin-based company called Three Square Market started injecting volunteer employees with rice-sized microchips. They claim it's the next big thing that's inevitably going to happen, and they want to be the people to start the bandwagon. They've been injecting it into volunteer employees right between the thumb and the forefinger, and the procedure is supposed to be quick and easy. The chip's made by RFID technology, or radio frequency technology. It's not mandatory yet, but uh, a decent amount of employees have stepped up to get the chip. They claim it's mainly for convenience and security, but come on. So with this chip, you can pay for stuff by just holding up your hand. You can open doors with it, use copy machines, log into computers, unlock phones to talk on, share discrete information like ID number, medical information, social security number. Still, the question for me is, is it even really morally okay to computer chip an employee? You don't own them. And yeah, they say it's for convenience, but anyone who hears this story is instantly going to be like, "Uh uh-huh, I guess it's important for your employers to know exactly where you are at every second of the day. (laughs) But the company does say that the chip does not have GPS and their employees' movements are not being tracked which I find very, very hard to believe. But hey, they say it's the future and it's inevitable, so get on with it. I don't know, would you let your boss put a microchip in you? Vice President Tony Dana of Three Square Market says it's not weird, it's advanced, and that if you forget your wallet, keys, company badge, you can forget about that because that's all in the chip in your hand. And he says you can forget all the passwords you try and remember. Now your chip does all the work for you. Duke computer science professor Vincent Conitzer talked with NBC News saying we all need to take a more cautious approach to the chip and the technology's utilization in the future. The professor says it's a slippery slope, and if put into mainstream use, it could turn into an expectation. And if it becomes an expectation, then it's only a matter of time before you're not only monitored at work, but at home too. The professor says we all need to have a robust societal conversation about what we as society would like to see happen, rather than just seeing where things go and then realizing we can't go back. And according to Vice President Donna at Three Square Market, they have been getting calls from many other companies interested in the chip. The company was inspired by the microchipping taking place in Sweden, where alleged biohackers have been inserting the chip into willing participants for almost three years now. And Three Square Market are even working with the Swedish company Biohacks to perfect their new technology. And to them, it's all just a new form of payment and identification. It's just like the chip in your debit card or you being able to pay with an iPhone. And you'd think the employees at Three Square Market would detest the idea of having a computer chip put in them. But out of 85 employees at the main office, 50 came forward for the chip. Which makes me wonder if these employees were just eager to please or they really wanted the chip in the first place. And when it's inserted, it's even painful because they shoot it into you with a syringe. And a chip the size of a grain of rice? That syringe is going to be pretty gnarly. That does not sound like something I would want to do ever. Vice President Donna even states, yeah, it feels weird and it's painful. But it's over quickly, at least. And also, if you think about it, what if you get robbed? Because... That chip can still be used, but instead of just like losing your wallet or your phone, they're going to cut a whole chunk out of your freaking hand to get to that. So, yeah. But hey, it's all for the advancement of technology and payment methods, so it's worth it, I guess. I mean, who wants to use their brain to remember stuff in the first place? And stuff can still get hacked wirelessly. Do you really want all your discrete information at the palm of your hand? It's like a whole nother level of identity theft that's way easier 
And I think it's kind of weird how a lot of the people who are covering this in their articles brush aside the Big Brother feel it gives off. For example, the New York Times says, and I quote, At first blush, it sounds like the talk of a conspiracy theorist, a company implanting microchips under employees' skin. But it's not a conspiracy, and employees are lining up for the opportunity. End quote. And it's kind of weird how the company keeps on saying it's not mandatory over and over. And I just feel like, okay, well, how long until it is mandatory then? What if you, in order to work somewhere, had to have this chip in you in order to be employed in the first place? Think about it. Croatoan. It was the only clue left behind by a vanished colony carved into the trunk of a tree. Strange tales try to make sense of the vanished colony. It all started back in 1587 with a second English attempt at colonizing the island of Roanoke. The colonists were led by John White, and in the beginning, word back to England was positive. Things were going pretty smoothly for the colonists. And then, for no apparent reason, no word from the colony. They vanished during the Anglo-Spanish War, which was around three years from their last shipment from England. What is known is that early upon their arrival, the colonists made friendly relations with their neighbors, the Native American tribe, the Crotans. But the Native Americans who fought the colonists at their first attempt to colonize the area were still there, and they were still not having it. After the hostile Native Americans shed blood, the colonists really freaked out. They were heavily outnumbered and had nowhere to go. So they sent their governor on a dangerous winter voyage back to England, and to hopefully get fighting men to come and reinforce the colony. The governor arrived safely, but England was at war, and didn't have the funds or the manpower to help the colony. It took three years for the governor to return, but when he eventually did, he came home to a ghost town. Not a single colonist was there. All the cabins the colonists made were gone, there was no sign of the livestock anywhere to be seen. All that was there was two graves, the letters C-R-O carved into a tree, and of course the hand-carved word, Croatoan. The governor thought maybe this meant that the settlers had gone to the nearby island named Croatoan. But upon investigating the island, no evidence of the settlers' presence was ever found. It was like the colonists and all their belongings disappeared into thin air. None were ever heard from again. None of the materials they brought with them or any of the colonists' material possessions were ever found, with no sign of struggle or conflict wherever they were looked for. Their fate, unrecorded, as well as unexplained to this day. The word Croatoan being synonymous with vanishing, or a mysterious happening that leads to somebody's end. Such as allegedly being found in Amelia Earhart's diary scribbled on the last page of the logbook of the runaground ship on Cape Hatteras called the Carol A. Deering back in 1921. And on the ship, food was laid out as if in preparation to eat, but none of the crew were found on the boat and none of the crew were ever seen or heard from again, becoming one of the most famous ghost ships in history. The most unnerving to me is the tale of Edgar Allan Poe's death where, according to some stories, when he was found incoherent and out of his mind, on his deathbed, he mumbled the word Croatoan over and over again until he died. Now, I don't really fully buy those tales, but it's fascinating how the word has stuck around in humanity's social psyche so long. There's a couple theories on what happened to the lost colony, like perhaps they were killed and eaten by cannibals. That would explain the lack of bodies, but there was no recorded cannibalism in the area. Another theory is that they went native, and they were absorbed into the one Native American tribe that was friendly to them. But DNA research into that theory has proved very inconclusive. Another theory is the settlers got tired of waiting, and made the dangerous journey across the ocean back to England, but died in the attempt. Another theory comes from rune-like stones being found, that supposedly details the journey the lost colonists made inland. 
But that theory is pretty much considered fraud across the board. Another theory comes from the natives themselves, that there was an evil spirit on the nearby island of Croatoan, modern-day name Hatteras. And if this spirit was upset, it could turn people into animals. But that wouldn't explain why all their cabins were taken down, unless they took their own cabins down and traveled with them for some reason, maybe to rebuild them elsewhere. But that doesn't make much sense either. That would be way too hard. Traveling with women and children and who knows what other crap you got, you're not going to take your house with you. The colonists could have totally ran out of food and cannibalized one another. Another theory is that they were killed by the Spanish, who then removed all trace of the colonists as a symbolic way to portray Spain's dominance in the area. Or maybe the lost colonists went insane from some crazy disease, being ground zero for the first zombie apocalypse. Another story says, the friendly Native Americans to the colonists believed in elemental spirits, and a particularly evil one that could manifest in reptilian form had began to terrorize the area. The natives warned the settlers, but being Christians, brushed the warnings aside as primitive nonsense. Then the elemental reptilian spirit began to possess the colonists, twisting them to have demonic traits, then set them against one another in madness and horror, until nothing remained from the nightmare. Another tale says that it was known witches haunted the woods of Carolina, stalking the colonists from the darkness of the trees, driving them slowly mad with their black magic, either killing or driving them insane. But no matter how many theories, there is no answer to the fate of the lost colony. It's a mystery even now. And a fascinating one. The word Croatoan has even been used in pop culture, like the show Supernatural, using Croatoan as a demonic virus that could destroy humanity in an apocalypse. The sufferers of the virus becoming possessed violent madmen who only enjoy suffering, pain, and destruction. Croatoan is used in American Horror Story too, as well as many other movies and TV shows over the years. So it doesn't really look like the legend is going anywhere anytime soon. But for those familiar with the missing 411 books by David Politis, people vanishing in America's wilderness in strange and bizarre ways is pretty common throughout our history. I'll leave a link to the missing 411 books in the show notes. The Lost Colony is most likely a mystery that's never going to be solved. Though there are some paranormal researchers and enthusiasts that claim to know, or say it's obvious what happened, based off of the predicaments and elements of the situation, but no one really knows, and no one will ever know most likely. There really is not much to work with objectively, even centuries later. Some historic mysteries have been solved by modern day technology, but this ain't one of them. At least not anytime soon. But these types of creepy mysteries are always fun to speculate about. Which is probably why the tale of the lost colony is still prevalent today. The pineal gland, a small gland at the center of the brain that looks just like a pine cone, which is probably where the name comes from. It's located right between the two hemispheres of the brain, near the center of the cranium. Its most commonly known function is the production of melatonin, which regulates sleep and wake cycles of humans, and its production of serotonin, which is a neurotransmitter found in a bunch of parts of the body. Serotonin is also considered the happy hormone because of its influence on mood, appetite, and many more cognitive functions. So the pineal gland is a necessary and insanely important part of all our bodies. Basically all vertebrate species possess a pineal gland, from reptiles to birds to whales and fish, small mammals, you name it. And across all those species, it serves the same function in all of them. So humans are not unique in their biology in this way. Without this tiny gland in our brain, life as we know it wouldn't even exist. The moment light ceases to enter the retina, melatonin is released for sleep and the preservation and regeneration of energy. The sun comes up, and the gland sends out serotonin throughout the body. Well, where it is needed. But even though the pineal gland is vital to daily life, 
It's relatively unknown to the public, but it is one of, if not the most important part of our biology, and the animals that surround us too. Still, it's hidden from the mainstream, with the public having a lack of knowledge concerning it. The opinions of the pineal gland are varied, though predictable based off the dogma, culture, or status quo of the person or group of people that person belongs to when speaking of it, making it mysterious in its subjectivity and the usual biased information regarding it. Those whose focus is solely framed within the materialistic world will most likely say that the pineal glands uses end with the simple functions of melatonin and serotonin regulation. But there have been many studies that prove it does so much more. Though the information regarding those studies is not going to be found in any mainstream form of media. And digging a little bit further... Science and spirituality seem to melt together as the line between the two starts to fade, mirroring in many ways what the spiritually adept have been saying since the dawn of humanity. But there's always going to be scientists who only back the status quo and the opinions of their intellectual community, unable to give anything other than what is already accepted a second thought. Probably because it could destroy their career. After all, the scientific community is not friendly to those who think outside of the mainstream. And if the pineal gland and its full functions were better known to the public, many corporations and organizations would lose an insane amount of money. Luckily, there will always be those who are unafraid to study the unknown. Many sages, or awakened ones, such as Rene Descartes, go so far as to say, and I quote, the pineal gland is the principal seat of the soul. Unquote. Others have said that it's a direct link to the divinity or higher self within all human beings, which many researchers find fascinating considering how the mainstream media and everyday people will instantly brush aside the pineal gland's spiritual nature as New Age rambling nonsense, even though there is more than required proof from studies showing very fascinating findings. If you go onto YouTube and type in binaural beats, pineal gland, there will be a gazillion videos on how to awaken the pineal gland, heal the pineal gland, activate it, decalcify it, as well as a lot of other weird stuff. That made me wonder, why would your pineal gland need to be healed? Why would it need to be decalcified? What does decalcified even mean? This is where stuff goes a little bit sideways. It is proven that fluoride in the human body directly damages and calcifies the pineal gland as a confirmed neural toxin. But it doesn't end there. Other things that harm the pineal gland are processed or genetically modified food in an artificial manner, as well as chlorine, and pretty much 70% of the chemicals they pump into everything these days. And that's all backed up by solid research and facts. But your dentist and the man don't want the public knowing that stuff, and spare no expense at keeping that info from the public eye in smear campaigns, or just old-school suppression. And the reasons for this are many, ranging from crazy to subjective to anything in between. I would say money is the reason personally, but I won't delve into conspiracy theories on the subject in this episode. The researchers and conspiracy theorists on the pineal gland have such a massive compilation of material concerning conspiracies, it would be too much. But I may come back to it later. We're just going to talk about all the different things I found in books and the interwebs from all sides, no matter how out there. Studies show that the majority of Americans have fluoride toxicity levels, among other high chemical levels, because all that junk is in literally everything in America. Fluoride may help keep your teeth healthy, but so does good hygiene, and fluoride doesn't have to come out of the shower and bath water absorbed by your skin in even higher amounts as the tap water and bottled water you drink. Fluoride and artificial stuff we all consume daily directly damages the pineal gland, turning it from healthy to a calcified stub of its potential glory, 
easily pointed out in MRIs when comparing a healthy gland to a damaged one. But why? Why are so many chemicals allowed to be so invasive to daily life? Almost the entire rest of the civilized world has banned drinking water fluoridation. To me, that speaks volumes for itself. Don't worry though, I'm not trying to freak you out. There's plenty of ways to heal the pineal gland and make it healthy. But just what is a healthy pineal gland capable of when compared to a calcified, damaged one? Well, according to the spiritually awakened from across the world throughout history, it's capable of more than you can imagine and turns the mundane materialistic world into magic. Some people only believe what they can see, but they still need light to see in the dark. And to many, the pineal gland is just another light that illuminates a different kind of darkness. Amazingly, the pineal gland forms in the human fetus during pregnancy at just 49 days. 49 days is also the amount of time the forming baby's body takes on the sex of a male or a female. And according to the traditions of Buddhism, 49 days is also how long it takes the human soul to reincarnate back to Earth in a new body. Those are some pretty cool and weird coincidences. The pineal gland also produces a chemical sibling similar to serotonin, made of hydrogen, nitrogen, and carbon, called DMT, or in its scientific name, dimethyltryptamine, which is an incredibly powerful, if not the most powerful, natural psychedelic chemical known to man, and it's found within the pineal gland in everybody. DMT is also found in plants and can be made artificially. Tiny crystals float within the water inside the pineal gland, smaller than the human eye can see, which possess piezoelectric energy, a form of electric energy currents, as well as piezoluminescence, which means it glows with light. And as the crystals are compressed, they send photons forth from the pineal gland. And these small crystals also have piezochromism, which means they can release any color in the spectrum. DMT in artificial form breaks into the exact same full color spectrum when compressed, just like when it's in its natural form. And these tiny crystals of DMT float naturally around in all people's brains. I hope you're enjoying the show, but we'll be right back after a quick break. Don't go anywhere. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes as well as all popular podcast apps and web hosts. Or please visit us at crypticchroniclespodcast.com for full content. Send us an email. We would love to hear from you. Join us on our social media to keep updated. And thanks for supporting the show. Please leave us a good review on iTunes to help grow the podcast. But most of all, thanks for listening. Welcome back to Cryptic Chronicles, Episode 1. Psychonauts and popular culture icons like Timothy Leary advocated the use of psychedelic drugs under controlled conditions, as well as the British writer and reporter Graham Hancock in exploring higher levels of consciousness through psychedelics to experience incredible healing of the mind and body and profound spiritual rebirth or spiritual awakening in a permanent life-altering manner for the better. Throughout all human history, priests, shamans, druids, medicine men, or any being in a place of high spiritual responsibility in a community have used psychedelics to connect with their deities, such as the ayahuasca ceremonies in Peru, and the main ingredient in ayahuasca is DMT. DMT is found in many other things of nature, too. It's just a naturally occurring compound in the world. But in the U.S., it's a Schedule One drug which means it is strictly prohibited and illegal, bottom line, without any regard towards medicinal use even given a second thought, despite the positive results from many researchers on its ability to break addictions and addicts 
and heal mental traumas like PTSD, and it's been proven to be totally non-addictive. Still, DMT is only allowed in extremely restricted religious ceremonies and limited scientific studies across the country. No more, no less. Makes me wonder why something that occurs naturally in the human body and nature all around us is not allowed to be used for proven medical benefits. All objective great minds throughout history have agreed. No one can explain consciousness. It is ineffable, and the human brain and mind is so advanced it is beyond our comprehension. At least in the age we live in, and probably generations to come. But to those who have sought higher knowledge... The pineal gland is the doorway to experience higher levels of consciousness and true spirituality in a universally unifying way. And the people who experience DMT trips all have strangely similar experiences, even though they all come from different cultures, classes, etc., with tons of accounts experiencing some kind of alien intelligences or beings of strange, mysterious, and never-encountered-before nature including straight-up aliens, and even reptilian humanoids in bizarre nightmare-fueled realms of chaos and splendor in equal abundance. It's said to take you to another realm from many accounts. But that realm is said to be just as real, and even called more real, than the normal waking world. Even some refusing to call what they saw hallucinations in the first place saying instead it's more like a veil is being lifted that hides what is real, giving the speculation to some that there is a unified meaning ground beyond our common physical senses of mundane life. It's called an infinite intelligence, or infinite consciousness, that unites all sentient beings in the universe and planes of dimensions, dimensions which are said to be many if not infinite, Many authors have written on near-death experiences. Accounts vary from person to person, but the sheer amount of documented near-death experiences are vast from across the globe. Well, DMT is said to be pushed out of the pineal gland in massive amounts in times of great, intense physical and mental peril, pain, or loss of consciousness, which scientists have tried to use to explain away any supernatural or spiritual experiences of a near-death experience as a biological normality. Yet, pineal gland researchers have said to counter that is that the scientists who claim it is a biological act are completely missing the point, and have never experienced DMT themselves, unable to admit they objectively have no idea what DMT in the human body is even for, and are most likely closed off to spiritual sight or knowledge by their calcified, dormant, and unhealthy pineal gland, their argument coming more from ego than actual research in every single situation. And I quote, It's like Einstein saying doing the same thing over and over expecting different results is the definition of insanity. And people taking that statement seriously for decades simply because he was a super smart, famous scientist. But Einstein wasn't a psychologist, even in the most amateur level. It's like asking a master carpenter to come assemble a computer from scratch. And in the scientific community, different results happen all the time from the same experiments based off countless factors of many varied natures. So, leaving the carpentry to the carpenters, and the computers to the computer techs is a call most can say is a good one. End quote. Some pineal gland researchers have even come to call the pineal gland the God gland. Some say it is the connection to God within us all, a piece of divinity gifted to us from the source of all that is. Some call it the primordial truth because of its location on the reptilian brainstem and the nervous system, housing the basic and primal human instincts, revealing it as part of humanity's most pure and true nature, without all the chains of daily life in a conformative society. Some metaphysical pineal gland researchers say the halos or bright circles around religious figures and paintings from around the world, that all cultures seem to share pretty much, is a representation of a fully awakened and pure, healthy pineal gland. 
Mystical schools and mystery teachings throughout humankind's history are all said to have known the power of this tiny marble in the brain and the empowering effects it could have on an individual. In esoteric beliefs, Wiccanism, modern alchemists, or occult teachings, it's basically a must to awaken and enrich the pineal gland in order to progress within their orders further than the most basic levels. Allegedly, the gland is then used as a kind of biological gateway that leads to other dimensions and states of consciousness that can be bent to the practitioner's life or desires like an alchemy of the mind or a science of the mind to warp probability in the world to one's will and desire to better themselves with empowering unlocked potential and given the occultist, the esoterist, or the mystic supernatural powers like divination, precognition, among many more psychic abilities seen in Hollywood all the time. Many clandestine organizations believe it gives them power in the astral plane. The etheric dimension they believe all living things and unliving have a second energy body of sorts. They can allegedly even be able to create astral objects or even astral living beings in their own right, molding it like a sculpture to their desire. And they can travel in their astral energy bodies, exploring the many vibrational realms of that etheric world. From the nightmarish realms full of primordial entities that were ancient when our sun was a young star, to the higher realms filled with the angelic or good beings of light, etc. If you've seen the movie Doctor Strange, the astral plane is represented in the earth plane of the etheric dimension. So watch out, because according to this occult stuff concerning the pineal gland, the fortune tellers who wear the turban and circle their hands around a crystal ball may only 90% likely be a charlatan, because who knows, they could have an awakened pineal gland. It seems all secret societies I could find focus on the pineal gland in some way. From Freemasonry, to the notorious occultist Aleister Crowley's Golden Dawn organization, there's always a pretty big focus on awakening the pineal gland. Or the third eye, as they would probably call it. Okay, that occult stuff was fun. Now let's talk about some interesting organized religious stuff concerning the topic. In Buddhism, it's often the symbol of spiritual awakening, represented on statues as a swirl at the center of Buddha's forehead, and the Buddha wearing a pinecone-like headdress in countless depictions. The pinecone representing the pineal gland, obviously. And the meditation practices of Buddhism keeps the gland healthy and strong in immense ways. Hence the ridiculous but true stories of Shaolin monks and other warrior monks accomplishing inhuman feats that are the stuff of legend. Being the greatest source of spirit energy, or etheric energy, or chi, among many more names, the Buddhists can learn to control the energy of the body with amazing results. Like a dude just hanging out in sub-zero snow and not freezing or someone holding their breath insanely long, as well as enduring immense pain that a normal person would be destroyed by. The Christian Bible states in the book of Matthew 6.22, and I quote, The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. End quote. Some Christians even believe that the mark of the beast from the apocalyptic book of Revelation in the Bible is not a physical mark at all, but a closed and dormant pineal gland is the true mark of the Antichrist. The pinecone symbolism in Christianity is interesting, and I never even really knew it was there before now. There's a pinecone that decorates the Pope's staff. The statue in front of the Catholic Vatican is in the shape of a pinecone. And the pinecone imagery in religions is pretty close to being universal across all cultures throughout history. From the Mayans to the Egyptians, it's impossible to be a coincidence, but a firm connection across civilizations that never had any contact with one another. From Hindu and many East Asian traditions, the location of the Ajna chakra is the same as the pineal gland. If you're unfamiliar with chakras... They're spiraling energy centers throughout the body. It's also called the brow chakra, or the third eye chakra, and is traditionally represented as an indigo vortex of swirling energy at the forehead. 
but only in art is it depicted as exterior to the body. Because traditionally, from times beyond ancient in their culture, it's actually within the forehead itself, at the direct location of the pineal gland within the human brain, which is also the location of what esoteric teachings and mystics throughout the ages call the third eye. So basically, every religion, mystery, tradition, ancient cults, and primal ancestral spiritualists reference the pineal gland in some way. Interesting enough, the pineal gland is ringed with pineal sites, which is alike to the biological matter that makes up the retina of the eyeballs. So, in a way, it is literally a third eye from some people's perspective. The pineal gland is complete with retinal tissue and wiring to the visual cortex of the brain, just like your normal two eyes that you use to see the waking world. It really blows my mind that the ancient ancestors of us all knew as much as they did about the pineal gland, without the help of all our fancy modern gadgets. But I guess concerning what we've already talked about so far, it could have been on a different level than mere biological knowledge of the human body in some cases. Instead, a more subjective insight ingrained into the basic backbone of the human psyche, just waiting to be revealed in any person who ever lived and ever will. But who knows? In a hundred years, they'll laugh at our science just like we laugh at the science from a hundred years ago. I mean, some ancient people, who are pretty famous philosophers and thinkers, thought the mind was in the heart, not the head. And that's just silly. So what then? Can we actually see with this supposed third eye? Well, allegedly according to a whole lot of people, yeah, yeah we can. It's just a matter of will and discipline to unleash it. It's like a muscle. You have to flex it and work it out. And just like real muscles, you use it or you lose it. So it's no casual task, apparently. These are some benefits you can get I found researching a fully awakened and healthy pineal gland. It's said to greatly increase insight, intuition, communicate with our higher self, have greater awareness, or be awake beyond the limitations of ego, create immense self-worth, purpose, and self-love as well as love for all living things. It can awaken psychic and empathic abilities, cosmic ordering, vivid and lucid dreams, astral travel beyond our bodies, enhanced imagination and creativity, inner peace, drive, courage, fearlessness, cunning, and much, much more. I could go on, but I think you get it. But even those people who are more grounded in the, quote, real world, and don't believe in the fantastical things said about the pineal gland, can also benefit. The more mainstream benefits are better moods, increased focus, better physical and mental health, more energy, and an all-around enhanced mind and body for peak performance in daily life. All in all, Concluding what has been said throughout our history, the pineal gland seems to be a gateway to human enlightenment, higher states of consciousness, higher states of self, deep meditational states of mind, and a must in exploration for any psychonaut or seeker of higher knowledge. The doors are open to everyone, but like anything really worth having, it won't be easy. This is what I got on how to take care of the pineal gland. Just... Avoid fluoride within reason, as well as chlorine and other chemicals. Get natural sunlight daily. Avoid processed and artificial food. Avoid an excess of carbonated drinks. Have moderation when consuming sugar. Include healthy organic food in your diet. Exercise and perform a daily meditation. And that's a whole lot of stuff to practice that goes against the current consensus society. <laughs> but if you got what it takes in our pizza, instant food, instant satisfaction world, then the mysteries of the universe may open a door for you to step inside and blow your mind on the definition of reality. All thanks to this tiny gland at the center of the brain no one really seems to know much about. The pineal gland.
Thank you for joining us for Cryptic Chronicles Episode 1. We hoped you enjoyed it and expect much, much more to come. This is only the beginning. Cryptic Chronicles is available on iTunes, as well as all other popular apps and host sites. Or please visit us at crypticchroniclespodcast.com for full content. I'm your host, Tim Hacker, and thanks for supporting the show. Please leave us a good review on iTunes to help grow the podcast. And most of all, thanks for listening. Bye. Bada bing, bada boom, bada bing, bomb boom.